Let's continue reading Judges chapter 9, verses 26 through 57. Now, in the second half of Judges 9, we have the results of Abimelech's treachery as well as Abimelech's death. Judges 9, beginning at verse 26. Now, Gael, the son of Ebed, came with his brothers and went over to Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. So they went out into the fields and gathered grapes from their vineyards and trod them and made merry. And they went into the house of their God and ate and drank and cursed Abimelech. Then Gael, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech and who is Shechem, that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerobel, and is not Zebul his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But why should we serve him? If only this people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, Increase your army and come out. When Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gael, the son of Ebed, his anger was aroused. And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Take note, Gael, the son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to Shechem, and here they are, fortifying the city against you. Now therefore, get up by night, you and the people who are with you, and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be as soon as the sun is up in the morning, that you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you may do to them as you find opportunity. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night and lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. Then Gael, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance to the city gate. Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from lying in wait. And when Gael saw the people, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebul said to him, You see the shadows of the mountains as if it were men. So Gael spoke again and said, See, people are coming down from the center of the land, and another company is coming from the diviner's terebinth tree. Then Zebul said to him, Where indeed is your mouth now? With which you said, Who is Abimelech? And we should serve him. Are not these the people whom you despise? Go out, if you will, and fight with them now. So Gael went out, leading the men of Shechem, and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled from him. And many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. Then Abimelech dwelt in Arumah, and Zebul drove out Gael and his brothers so that they would not dwell in Shechem. And it came about on the next day that the people went out into the field, and they told Abimelech. So he took his people, divided them into three companies, and lay in wait in the field. And he looked, and there were the people coming out of the city, and he rose against them and attacked them. Then Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate of the city. And the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields and killed them. So Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He took the city and killed the people who were in it, and he demolished the city and sowed it with salt. Now when all the men of the tower of Shechem had heard that, they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Bereth. And it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. Then Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bough from the trees and took it and laid it on his shoulder. Then he said to the people who were with him, what you have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. So each of the people likewise cut down his own bough and followed Abimelech, put them against the stronghold and set the stronghold on fire above them so that all the people of the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech went to Thebes, and he encamped against Thebes and took it. And there was a strong tower in the city, and all the men and women, all the people of the city, fled there and shut themselves in. Then they went up to the top of the tower. 
So Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it, and he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me a woman killed him. So his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing his 70 brothers. And all the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads. And on them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerobel. Once again, let's begin with some background notes. Nature abhors a vacuum. You've heard that before, right? Well, the same is true in the spiritual realm. After the death of Gideon, there was a spiritual vacuum in Israel. And sure enough, Abimelech rushed in to fill the spiritual void. The people were all too willing to make this unproven son of Gideon ruler and king. But Abimelech turned out to be a terrible and treacherous ruler. This is why many don't even consider him a judge, even though he did rule over Israel, or at least part of Israel, for three years. Now, after the falling out between Abimelech and the inhabitants of Shechem, the fickle people of Shechem turned for leadership to a man named Gael, verse 26. In verse 29, we see that Gael challenged Abimelech. Well, Zebul, one of Abimelech's men in the government of Shechem, informed Abimelech of this challenge. So Abimelech got his small army together and attacked Gael and defeated him. And then he attacked Shechem and defeated the city, verse 45. So Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He took the city and killed the people who were in it, and he demolished the city and sowed it with salt. To sow a defeated city with salt made the ground barren, sterile, and unproductive for any would-be rebuilders of the city. Not only did Abimelech destroy the city of Shechem, he burned down the tower of Shechem where a thousand men and women had escaped for safety. You know, I wonder if Jotham's parable about the trees and the fire came to mind as the people of Shechem in the tower there saw Abimelech and his army bringing cut-down trees and setting them and their tower on fire. The foundation of that tower of Shechem, by the way, can still be seen today in the ruins of ancient Shechem, which is modern-day Nablus. Jacob's well is still there, and so is the foundation of this fortress temple, never rebuilt after having been destroyed by Abimelech. Once again, we have archaeology supporting the accuracy of Scripture. Well, so much for our background notes. Let's move now to our doctrinal teaching points. Doctrinal point number one, God repays the wickedness of men. God repays the wickedness of men. Verse 53, but a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. You know, it could be that Abimelech killed his brothers on a large millstone. Now he is killed by a small upper millstone dropped on his head. And look at the verses 56 and 57 once again. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing his 70 brothers. And all the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads. 
There it is in black and white scripture. God does repay the wickedness of men. Now it may look to you and to me like evil is going unchecked and people are getting away with it. But the story is not over yet. In Romans 12, verse 19, we read, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. When does God repay the wickedness of men? Well, sometimes it's in this lifetime, like in the case of Abimelech and the evil men of Shechem. Look at how Hitler met his end. But for sure, the wickedness of men will be repaid fully at the final judgment. Listen to the words of Revelation chapter 20 concerning the final judgment. I'm reading Revelation 20, verses 11 through 13. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books." The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. I trust everyone here this morning is a believer and will not have to face this coming judgment. Trusting Christ as your personal Savior is the only escape from that final judgment. You know, the prophet Habakkuk had the same problem as we have. He looked around him and saw the people getting away with the evil. He asked the Lord, how come? Why do the wicked prosper? Well, here is God's answer to Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. What's the it here? The it here is the ultimate punishment of evil. In the final analysis, it will come out in the wash. No one will ever be able to say, when history has run its course, that he or she got away with evil. No one, ever. God repays the wickedness of men. Doctrinal point number two. God allows evil to repay evil. God allows evil to repay evil. In this account, we see that God used the wickedness of Abimelech to repay the wickedness of the people of Shechem. And we also see that God used the wickedness of the people of Shechem to repay the wickedness of Abimelech. God allows evil to repay evil. How often we see this principle at work. Many evil kings in biblical history and in secular history as well were brought down by other evil kings. Evil administrations have a tendency to self-destruct as they get worse. God has designed this moral universe so that evil eventually backfires. It's just a matter of time. Psalm 76, verse 10, says that God makes the wrath of man to praise him. So whether it's in the home or in the state, or in the church, there's a built-in principle at work. God allows evil to repay evil. What about practical application from the second half of Judges 9? Remember, your spirituality is not inherited by your children. Remember, your spirituality is not inherited by your children. 
Gideon had been a good judge in Israel. The last verse of chapter 8 refers to all the good that Gideon had done for Israel. In fact, Gideon was a spiritual man. Now it's true that he departed from the word of the Lord in his later years. But during his prime, Gideon was definitely a spiritual man. But what a contrast we see in Gideon's son, Abimelech. How come? Because spirituality is not inherited. There's nothing in the DNA code that guarantees salvation or spirituality. There's no spiritual genes. Now, we all know that, but sometimes we tend to forget. I've seen children of spiritual parents appointed to church leadership positions, Christian camp positions, other Christian ministry positions, because the parents were spiritual. And it was assumed that the children would be spiritual as well. Folks, it doesn't work that way. Children may inherit certain talents and abilities from their parents, but not spiritual gifts and not spirituality. Spiritual gifts are given to individual believers as God sovereignly determines. And spirituality comes about by walking with the Lord, not genetically, right? Parents here this morning, we have the responsibility to train up our children in the instruction of the Lord. They have the responsibility to heed that instruction. Parents, remember, your spirituality is not inherited by your children. 